0: Okay, let me hit the record button. That'll help. (laughs) Today is Thursday, January 17th, 2019. Time for episode 71 of the Barnhart Podcast. And we took a really long Christmas break. And it seems almost appropriate, as though we were hiding in a cave or something. We come out on the feast of Saint Anthony the Hermit.
1: Hooray, Saint Anthony the Abbot, pray for us.
0: Absolutely, very good.
1: How was how was your Christmas? Did you did Are you settling back into kind of a back into your family routine now?
0: It didn't take long. There, were, you know, Tiny Princess was the youngest of many children, so uh, <laughs> we we definitely kept busy. Um, we definitely missed her from time to time, but uh, or actually every day, really. But it's it's so busy, you didn't really have time to think about it. And in terms of how Christmas went, I know that academically there were seven days between Christmas and New Year's, but it felt like half a day. It just right. flew right by. So fortunately, I had, I had that week off between Christmas and New Year's, and I had high hopes of doing some studying on Node.js and some other technologies. And I think I might have gotten 15 or 20 minutes in instead of the two days I thought I was going to have, so... It went very well, that's, fast, that's,
1: but it was it was a good fast. Good, good. That's that's what we want to hear. And yep, kind of the same on this end. At a pretty laid back holiday season, we're still in Christmas technically. We're in Christmas until February second. Don't forget. Oh yes, but the,
0: the tree is still up, and uh, dry needles are falling off of it, and it will for the rest of the month.
1: Very good. <laughs> Yay, fire hazards. <laughs> Well, so let's get back into it. We're, you know, sorry to everybody that we that we did do this kind of extended Christmas pause and weren't hitting our weekly podcast target. But I think we're probably going to be back into the new year groove now and we'll we'll be getting one a week pretty reliably here forward. I should I should hope and pray. Uh,
0: probably. And uh, if you are keen of ear, you might notice that Anne's audio sounds a whole lot better. Thank you very much to the uh, the person who, when we talked about Anne kombuchaing her other MacBook Air, <laughs> uh, emailed in and said, "I've got a MacBook Pro that's uh, a few years old and collecting dust. Would could you make use of it?" So she's making use of it right now. Thank you very yes, much. Yes,
1: I am, and God God bless you. God bless you. It's here. It's arrived. It's a it's a thing of beauty, and. Um, it's it's amazing to me. Although I, you know, I kind of remember this from from back in the day, having, you know, owning lots and lots and lots of computers, and and yes, having computers just laying around. Um, nowadays, you know, after it's been almost six years now that I've kind of been in the van down by the river situation. And, you know, you, you just pare everything back down and you think, wow, how could, how could a person have a, a brand new, basically brand new untouched computer just kind of sitting around. And then you think back, it's like, ah, oh, I remember when I used to have com- brand new computers just sitting around unused and giving people computers. But yes, thank you so much. It's here. It's beautiful. It works. It works like a charm. Um, uh, the, just the the chain of custody getting it into my hands went through super nerds hands obviously so he was able to set it up optimize it get everything just the way he wanted it for use for recording these um these podcasts and i have a it just so happened that right before the great kombucha incident i i happened to buy a brand new um and it wasn't terribly expensive it was like thirty five bucks, but a brand new headset and mic. And so, man, we're we're living fancy pants now, my friend. And thank again, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh the incredible donation of this new computer. It's gonna be it's gonna be put to very good use and there's already I already have a a project coming up um a week from today in fact and it is going to be put to very, very, very good use. So God bless you, sir.
0: Are you recording another video?
1: No. Oh, <laughs> the the
0: high definition version of the video, by the way, is now on the website. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. It's yeah, on, thank well, you. YouTube. Thank you for that. You know, you know what I'm really shocked by. You know, when when we first uploaded the very very first, you know, right after recording the video in November, it was not the high definition version, and Super Nerd left it. What's it called? Unlisted. Unlisted, on YouTube and so you know it was just there but unlisted means that you have to have like the direct link right in front of you or you have to have the you have to have the video right in front of you on a web page or something like that well yeah in order it's,
0: it, you have to know where it, where to find it is is really the, how that boils down and since it was available through your website that makes it easier to find
1: well i mean and and that was a lot but you know and it got it got thousands and thousands and thousands of views and um several people mirrored it and the mirrored versions have thousands and thousands and thousands of views but i've really been amazed at the difference it makes between being listed and unlisted um we we didn't even say anything you know super nerd just uploaded it to my youtube channel um flipped it from unlisted to listed and it's really remarkable i've had a, i've had numerous people tell me you know that video is now it's showing up in my suggested um suggested viewing list and it's getting without having said anything and there's really not been mention of it um on the blog specifically i mean i've been talking about the topic on the blog obviously but i haven't had a post where i where i have embedded that video or anything like that it's getting it's getting reliably a thousand views a day, and I attribute that just to the um, the difference between being listed and unlisted. I really didn't realize what a difference that would make. And just reiterating to everyone out there listening, if you please, the way to protect against censorship, deplatforming, all that kind of stuff, is for you to. Um, mirror it and re-upload it so that there's lots and lots and lots of copies of it. That is how my um, my Islamic sexuality, a survey of evil, that is how that really ha- made it around the globe and continues to make it around the globe. Um, people just mirrored and mirrored and re-uploaded and re-uploaded. I don't know how many millions of views in total that video now now has the other one that was um affected by this is the second to last video i did the one that i did in january of um of 2016 the diabolical narcissism video someone probably um a a sodomite partisan because in the diabolical narcissism video one of the things that I talk about is the psychological origin, the psycho-spiritual origin of homosexuality, all sexual perversion. It is, of course, first, diabolical narcissism. Well, of course, sodomite partisans don't don't want anybody to hear anything about any of that because, of course, their agenda is, is that you're, quote-unquote, born that way, which is completely false. No one's born a sex pervert. Um, you have to become a sex pervert. And the truth of the matter is, is it because it's a function of diabolical narcissism, and every human being is is potentially susceptible to falling into diabolical narcissism. um, Everyone is potentially also capable of falling into sexual perversion. And we're seeing that you know, right now, in our culture, in our society, as you know, this incidence of homosexuality is hockey sticking. and also this trans um, this transgender insanity is hockey sticking. There's a horribly sad piece within the week, ten days or so. and it was it was this warning saying, there's all of these parents who have these girls, and they're sending their, no seemingly normal happy f- you know feminine heterosexual daughters they're sending them off to college and then you know they don't you know they're on the opposite coast or whatever and they don't see them for 9 months or whatever the daughters come home and the daughters have um cut off their breasts they're Taking hormones such that they have mustaches and are growing facial hair. And I, 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 can you imagine? Can you imagine having something like that happen? And the fact of the matter is, is that it's happening and it's happening fairly commonly now that because this, you know, this transgender perversion. Is a, it's the new rebellion and it's a function of this diabolical narcissism, which, of course, the millennial and whatever the current generation, whatever they're called um, th- there, the incidence of diabolical narcissism among them, the the percentage is just it's it's higher and higher and higher with each passing quarter. Almost more and more young people are falling into this Um but what happened in terms of the video some sodomite partisan just ran just reported it to YouTube as containing pornographic content now if you've ever seen the diabolical narcissism video i intentionally wore like the biggest f- fluffiest most shapeless um turtleneck sweater that I, that I own, you know, to, <laughs> and it's just me standing there lecturing, obviously. And there's no, there's no pornographic images in the slideshow or anything like that. It was just, this is a species, a way to deplatform. platform So people go on YouTube, they submit a complaint or a red flag or whatever you call it, flag it as containing pornographic content the algorithms that I guess do the initial handling of these com- of, and parsing of these complaints, they'll take the video down. Then you get sent an email that says your video has been taken down. We've received multiple complaints of pornographic content, blah, blah, blah. So, I, you know, I respond to this and say, well, this is absolutely insane this is a false charge if you actually look at the video there's nothing even remotely close to pornographic content and again like i said it's just a tactic for deplatforming people but so my original version was down for i think a year before youtube finally put it back up and i was expecting that they would just never put it back up but the the saving grace in all of that is that in fact, viewers had done what I had asked, they had mirrored and re-uploaded the thing. So if someone went and did a, a search, or a YouTube search, or even a search engine search of Barnhart diabolical narcissism video or Barnhart narcissism video, all of these mirrored versions would pop right up. The The one that I saw the other day that has the highest number of views, and this is just a mirror, has like three over 300,000 views, and it's it's not on my account. It's just a mirrored version that somebody did. Thanks be to God. Thank you for doing that. I don't care if the views show up on my YouTube channel or anything like that. Needless to say, none of my videos are monetized, never will be. That's not what it's about. And um, Super Nerd is working on you. <laughs> you have been producing and selling um, the the Blu-ray version of the Diabolical Narcissism video. And you are in process on the... Um, the Bergoglian anti, anti-papacy video too, because we've got a lot of requests from people who want, you know, a physical DVD Blu-ray copy of that. And you're you're working on that and fighting with Adobe and all of that. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, it, it's actually just a DVD. The Blu-ray, I, I suppose, that could be put out. I, I don't have a Blu-ray burner, so it's just going to be a DVD. Mm. Okay. But, um, yeah, what I'm fighting with right now is uh, the tool I'm using for... Uh, making the actual DVDs and putting chapter points in there, Uh, running into real problems with with synchronizing audio and video. And amazingly, all of the latest Adobe software does not support making a DVD because nobody makes DVDs anymore. Everything (laughs) everything goes to the web. It goes to YouTube or Vimeo or Facebook, probably just Facebook for the most part. And nobody actually makes anything for physical media anymore. If you're selling it, you're probably doing it through i don't know amazon video or netflix or something nobody actually gets actually gets physical media anymore so the the tools just don't even support it in fact apple was ahead of the curve on this one their professional editing software they stopped making the 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 application for making dvds long ago because they wanted to push everything toward video services and so in that respect there was nothing heinous about that they just wanted to push the technology forward and they thought that 120 millimeter plastic discs were the thing of the past. Yeah, but they're also pretty handy if you don't have reliable internet or you want to share it or archive it offline. And yeah, I I am working on trying to, as I have time, which (laughs) I don't really have a lot of that at the moment, (laughs) but that is one of the projects that, that I'm going to hope to get back to in the next week or so is work on figuring out how to do this and I don't know. I've got a few ideas. Hopefully I don't have to fail all the way back to the original uh, video and try to cut it up and slice it from there, because then I would have to go through and do all of the lighting and audio corrections, which I'd never even figured out how to do. I vended that out to somebody on Fiverr who did an awesome job, but it, it it's a lot of work that I wasn't expecting, and I'm by no means an expert with, with video and uh, it's it's also one of those rare areas for. and I'm gonna geek out on this for a minute. It's one of those rare areas where having a ten thousand dollar Macintosh is actually the right tool for this. Even though mm-hmm. my my Windows machine is extremely powerful, just the the nature of the operating system architecture uh, between Macintosh and and Windows, the Mac stuff, the, the the subsystems like Core Video and Core Audio are made for professional media experts. As whereas Windows, it's made for spreadsheets. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do powerful stuff with it. You can do some audio and uh, professional audio video work, and this is all being recorded on on Windows right now. But that's not really what its strong suit is. And when you start pushing the limits of you know having a seven and a half gigabyte video file that's two and a half hours long and trying to do something and keeping all the audio and video in sync, yeah, that's not my specialty. And I'm doing doing what I can to try and figure it out. At least the the YouTube version is up, and um, I. Speaking of mirroring videos, I think I put together, and I, I know I put together a blog post. Is that two years ago now? No, it was short, not that long after we started doing the podcast. And it was one of these super esoteric nerdy things that if you don't, if this blog post doesn't make sense to you, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But it's for those who are technically adept. It, I think I put together a uh, a, a wget command and, and a way to download everything from YouTube. So. If if that's something that might be useful to repost, I can go uh, update yeah. that post and 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 um, put that in the show notes.
1: Absolutely, yes. But
0: Long, really long way of saying that uh, I do have the goal of putting the DVD out of this the newer video. It's just I'm running into technical problems with it. it, it the last one was a lot easier.
1: Hmm. Well, in in your good time, no rush. It's it's all good. You know, it's still still filtering through. It's just, we ha- we have received several emails from people saying, I would like to have a hard copy of this. And I'm like, well, yeah, we, the, the technology somehow somewhere exists. It just, it's really interesting. Um, I guess even I didn't realize how much, uh, how the extent to which um, DVDs, Blu-rays, any of that, that that's just almost being completely phased out i mean pretty soon it is going to be like vhs or something like that it kind of makes me think that one should almost go buy an external um dvd blue blue ray drive you know a usb external blu-ray drive just so that you have one you know around and available and and usable
0: well another thought too and i don't know if this would appeal to anybody and i'm just sort of saying it out loud, I don't know if this is even a good idea to suggest, but even just video on, on um on a, a piece of plastic, you know, a DVD, that you that is offline and could take an EMP strike and survive. I think that would survive. If you're a astrophysicist and know the answer to that one, let me know. But I think that would survive because there's no actual circuitry in a DVD. So I think just sharing the You mean
1: the disc itself?
0: No, it's just um an aluminum yeah, substrate.
1: A- right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't, Yeah, if you, if you stick it in the microwave, it'll, it'll do some damage, but I don't think an EMP would do that much damage.
1: I'm curious as to how you, how you know <laughs> how putting, putting DVDs in the microwave affect them, but there must be a video on YouTube about that, so. <laughs> Probably
0: several hundred.
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and by the way, it's not the best way to destroy a video. You get one of the um, uh, turbo uh, crosscut shredders from Costco. And you, they cost about 150 bucks, and that those those will shred CDs and DVDs no problem. Yeah. Just in case you have data uh, issues where you need to destroy discs, we are Mm -hmm. way off topic here. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of data, we'd love to destroy. You Mm -hmm. asked me a while back to put together uh, some topics, some some talking points about spam. And we're not talking about the tasty breakfast meat here.
1: No. Um. It. It's just. It's a question that is that occurs to me quite a lot um, looking at my own spam folder um, just, just looking at this stuff and thinking how in the world is anybody making any money off of this? How is this worthwhile to anyone? Um, not just in the context of, you know, the spam advertisements that you get for, you know, various and sundry pharmaceuticals um, uh, various and sundry violation of the sixth commandment, services that are being offered, just any any sort of advertisement like that. The phishing, the you know the Nigerian prince scams. How is it that that anybody's having any level of of success with any of this? And then the one that really really gets me and gets in my craw. Are the political ones, you know, and mine are all delivered in the context of Trump because I guess they use cookies and things like that. Um, and because years and years and years ago I gave, I did give a hundred bucks to a president, to a Republican presidential, um, campaign years and years and years ago. And I'm absolutely certain that I've been in all of those databases, um, ever since and will always be in those databases. But the thing that gets me about the political ones is that they, they're they driven to sound like or they're composed to sound like they're hyper-personal, you know? Um, and And even now they're getting guilt-trippy I got one, you know, you look in your spam filter because I, I, I have to keep an eye on my spam filter because I do have some crazy people that I just keep an eye on to make sure that they're not suicidal or talking about shooting up a school or something like that. So I just keep a, a rough eye on the old spam filter and you just see the subject line. And so you see these these um, begging for money spam come in from, you know, Trump or whatever. And it's things like Ann don't, don't you, don't you share president Trump's agenda anymore? I mean, really super guilt trippy. And, um, and the other thing,
0: when you said guilt trippy and Trump, I thought it was going to be, Hey, air force one broke down. I'm in Croatia. Can you wire me $25,000 so I can get back and run the free world?
1: Right, right, right. No, they, they haven't gone, gone to that yet. It's just, don't you share president Trump's love of America? You know, things like that. And then just in general, the things of using people's first name, Um, return address says, President Donald Trump. Subject line says, dear Anne, I'm waiting to hear from you. My question is, are there people out there who actually think that Donald Trump is sending them personal emails, asking them to raise money, and if so, if there are people that actually believe that Donald Trump, Melania Trump, Eric, Don Jr., whoever it is, Ivanka, whoever whoever the the spam email is set up to appear that it's coming from, if a person out there actually thinks that Donald Trump is sending them personal emails asking them to donate money— doesn't that say that that person is is mentally unfit and that what you're what you're actually doing at that point is you're taking advantage of a uh either a mentally ill or a mentally a mentally disabled or unfit person Do, it doesn't isn't that kind of almost it's almost like an intrinsically it's an intrinsically criminal act it seems to me to think that you would be taking advantage of person who would actually think that you were being directly communicated with by said person.
0: You mean there are unscrupulous marketers in the world?
1: Well, I, I know that's so crazy. There's gambling it's just going on. White. And it's
0: I, <laughs> even even though your your area was not marketing and advertising, I'm sure you have heard the term <laughs> conversion rate. Uh. So if if you send no, if you so have a if you have a marketing campaign and you send out a thousand you know, direct mail letters, and mm-hmm. four people, well, let's make it the numbers a little bit easier. Let's say 100 people uh, respond. Then your conversion rate is 100 in, out of 1,000 or 10%. 10%. Conversion rate of, of that nature, if I understand correctly, is actually pretty high, you know, 10%. But oh, yeah. if you're dealing with something that's a long shot to begin with, and well, in, in the case of direct mail, you've actually got to pay for all the pieces of, of mail, the, the, the paper, the envelopes, the postage, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. maybe some gasoline to take them to go get all the stuff to pr- produce it, maybe the, the computer for generating the form letters and all the rest, or maybe you're handwriting it and that takes time. Mm-hmm. What about a system where you can buy an email list from some some enterprising Ukrainians, send out 200 million email, okay, maybe 2 million emails. If your conversion rate is one tenth of one percent or even less, but you make money, uh, but but you find those gullible people, one in two hundred million or one in one in a million, that actually pays off. And even if you're sending these emails through a, a, some kind of sending service that that finally identifies what you're up to and cancels your account, if you get that small you know amount of people to figure it, to to make a return on it, it's worth it. So it's... But how are
1: there any? That's what I don't understand. How are there any at all? Who is actually clicking on anything in any sort of a spam email? I mean, and some of them don't even have any content. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, gobbledygook garbage and a link to something. And who knows what the link is even to. I just, it mystifies me.
0: In those cases with with the link, see that's, you're getting into two different areas there. Maybe it's um, somebody is curious enough to click through a link. Maybe they weren't going to buy something or maybe it's an advertisement for something pornographic. And you mentioned earlier, go check out your spam folder. No, actually, unless you think you're missing email that you need to be getting, I wouldn't recommend checking out your spam folder because it catches a lot of stuff that needs to be filtered out. Mm-hmm. But there there can be some people who are curious enough to say, okay, I'm going to click through and figure out what this is they're trying to sell. And 10 years, 10 years ago, if you were using Internet Explorer and you clicked through a link you didn't recognize, you had a really good chance of, of getting something that could run and infect your computer. Yeah. At which point, it's not trying to sell you something. It's trying to make you the sellable item. Once your computer is infected, you are now part of a bot network. And the Ukrainian who emailed you something saying, hey, click here for a super discount on uh, a new computer for mm-hmm. you know one-tenth the price. Oh, okay, I'm interested in that because I've got this old thing that runs Windows XP that's unpatched and I have IE. Yeah, okay, now you just became part of a Ukrainian network. And, of course, then what they do with it from there is another matter. But uh, part of it is they want to sell you something, or if they can exploit your system, uh, you become the resource to sell to other people who want to rent a bot network. So that, that's a couple of, of different things. But in the, in the end, it's, it's uh, marketing conversion. They send out a million emails. A very tiny percentage are going to actually click through or do something. Those Nigerian Prince emails, enough people, there aren't, many, aren't very many, but enough of them apparently respond and are gullible enough that it's worthwhile in terms of a business to actually do this. Now, mm-hmm. there are plenty of humorous videos online. In fact, I'll put a link to a TED Talk. Was somebody who decided to carry on a, a, an earnest conversation with with one of these characters? Oh yeah,
1: I've seen that. That's really funny. It's it's worth it. We should put that in the show notes, definitely. I'm
0: sure there's more than one. This one is just a 10 minute video of somebody talking about it, and and I, it's one of these cases where I don't know if this is just a stand up comic who's t- who's giving this talk and who actually did this as well, but he tends to be a comedian. He it was it was a very very well delivered speech, mm-hmm. but in, in a lot of cases you're just th- casting a very wide net. It's like buying a radio ad in, I don't know, what's the most populous area in the world, you know, Mexico City, and saying one person out here might be interested in a 1967 Volkswagen Beetle or something like that. I don't know. You cast a wide net and maybe you find somebody. Um, that's that's the, the, the economics of spam anyway. It's not too terribly expensive to send out hundreds of thousands or millions of emails. The, the bigger threat is that the service from which you're doing it uh, either is not reputable, so you're on a, on a sus- suspected IP address. Um, so that that could be one one danger to doing it. I'm not. Re- I'm certainly not recommending any- anyone to do spamming. But in terms of why does anybody do it at all? Because, believe it or not, there are enough people who click through these to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, it wouldn't happen. It's like direct mail. Enough people respond to direct mail to make it worthwhile. And honestly, or junk faxes back in the day. Junk, mm-hmm. va- junk faxes had a, uh, even though the conversion rate would have been very low, there's still enough people who would probably say, Hey, this looks like a good ad. I didn't ask for it. You just, you just cost me a piece of paper and some toner to print that, but this looks like a good deal. I'm going to do it anyway. And wow. sometimes, sometimes clicking through a link in an email, even if you're not, you, even if you never responded directly to the email, that link that shows up in your email is unique to you. So I may have sent 200 million emails, but every single one of those had a unique uh, a, a link in it. And when you clicked on it to say, hey, what's the, the latest news about, about Jorge Bergoglio? And I'll get to what that is. That's that's not actually called spam. It's something called spear phishing. I'll get back to that later. But when you click through that very unique link, you're coming back probably through my server or some way that that I'm going to be able to see, oh, Ann Barnhart clicked on this link from the spam I sent. And so now your email address goes on a list of known live addresses of people who actually click on things in spam emails. And so we start, start putting together marketing profiles on you. And and this is kind of like Facebook. All of this stuff is to make money one way or another. And, and the levels of sophistication are going to determine whether or not we're, we're doing this in an intelligent manner where we're going to, you know, try to figure out who you are and what your interests are, or I don't care who you are and what your interests are. I'm just going to send it to everybody and hopefully somebody will click through it. There's the, there's the sophisticated and the not sophisticated ways of doing this.
1: There's something really interesting that I learned a few years ago. Um, a lot of a lot of emails, you know, junk promotion emails will have a thing at the bottom that says "Click here to unsubscribe. You shouldn't do that because when you click and do the unsubscribe thing, it actually confirms that your email is a real live email. And thus, it's just so much the better for them because now they have a confirmed live email that they can then resell. Um, so, you know, intuitively on the surface, you would think, well, I should click on this unsubscribe thing and get this spam to stop flowing into my, into my box. But it's actually, when you do that, it's just, it's going to make it worse.
0: Absolutely. And, it, and if you're getting a lot of emails, let's say you sign up for a Twitter account, you know, something and doesn't recommend, but let's say you do. You're going to get a lot of marketing emails from Twitter over the next few weeks, and when that happens, that will be a legitimate unsubscribe. Go ahead and unsubscribe from that if it's a legitimate type of business, and they're just trying to sell you more marketing materials, and you don't want to have that. But if it's something you've never heard of, if you live in upstate Michigan, and you're getting ads for a car dealership in Arizona, it could be that somebody misentered their email address, or it could be a spammer who's just fishing for something. Uh, maybe they targeted email addresses in Michigan because of cars. I don't know. But in those cases, it's better just to delete them. And you mentioned mm-hmm. something about email related to a, a political campaign. Uh, of all of the email addresses um, that uh, I, I've used over the years, and, and there's a, a very definite scheme to how I do this, and it's not very very difficult either. In fact, uh, in, for for this show, Email at SuperNerdMedia actually goes to the uh, Gmail account that I use for this operation. But SuperNerdMedia.com is set up in such a way I can make up anything left of the at sign. So if I set up a Twitter account, it's Twitter at SuperNerdMedia.com. If I were to set up a Facebook account, it would be Facebook at SuperNerdMedia.com. If I were to sign up for information about a political campaign, it'd be Schmuck of the Week at SuperNerdMedia.com, <laughs> and the point is that because I can then uniquely filter on every single one of these, if if the Schmuck of the Week decides to sell my list to or my email address to every operative even remotely related to that party, I can go into my email account and say all email to that address deleted on site. Just don't even wait for to uh-huh. apply spam filtering rule. Delete it.
1: Uh-huh. Now,
0: if you don't use different addresses, that gets a little more difficult. If you have a Gmail account, um, Gmail has something where, so for example, my Gmail account is not exactly a secret, supernerdmedia at gmail.com. You you also have the ability to say supernerdmedia plus sign schmuck of the week at gmail.com, and Google will ignore to a certain degree for routing purposes the plus sign and what comes between that and the at sign. And so you can set up filtering on that inside your Gmail account so if you if you wanted to sign up for I don't know um, Maisie Hirono's latest political emails and rantings you can you can say uh, supernerdmedia or a supernerdmedia plus sign crazy Hawaiian senator at gmail.com. and so I can filter on that and eventually say okay change the filter rule to say delete instead of putting it in a separate file so there are different ways to handle how to sign up for or think for different services that where they might sell your email address
1: hmm Now you, in our preliminary conversations about this, you said something very intriguing. You said that you have actually built a spam-like program <laughs> in the context of a legitimate work project. And I thought, hmm, that sounds like, that has to be an interesting story. Can you tell us it, about that?
0: It sounds more interesting than it really was. It was just mm-hmm. a, we worked for a company where we were sending out email newsletters multiple times a week. And we wanted to know whether or not people were looking at the email, which is kind of difficult to tell, or whether they were clicking through it. And like I said, every, the example where you send out millions of emails and every single email has a unique link to that person, well, that's exactly what we were doing. So every, every time that we run, I don't know how many thousands of people we sent that email to, but the link in the email was unique to that person. So it um, might say, go check out our, our latest product or, or catalog or whatever. If you, the text of it probably said, click here for the April catalog. If you hover over it and look at the link text, you probably see something that says April catalog and a bunch of random numbers letter combinations that which is going to uniquely identify you and that email.
1: Ah. And it
0: it allows you to see, did somebody actually click through there? Another, and I call it a spam engine. It's more of a spam technique, sometimes in emails. And this is why in Gmail and a lot of email uh, services and uh, Outlook on desktop, you don't see pictures by default. The, the same idea as clicking through a link that is unique to you, you can also set up a same kind of um, address for the, for the picture. So there is some base part of it that's, that is referencing one particular file, but the rest of the URL is unique. So that to even request to load that image is a signal, hey, that link was activated for that person's specific email, they opened the email. So it's it's not it's not really it's somewhere between uh spammers did that originally and the marketers said hey that's clever we're going to start doing that. And so the fact that I, I wrote a, a process that sent out thousands of emails and was using techniques like this to be able to say uh this email was viewed uh 472 times which means it was probably forwarded because most people would usually only see it, look at it once or twice. Um mm-hmm. if it was forwarded by the internal HR person to the whole company then they may um because that was the nature of the business. It was it was a business to business type uh, company I was working for at the time. Um, it was just a, a loose way of saying how many people opened it, how many people actually clicked through the links, which links did they click through? And of course, they always had to give a caveat when on the numbers like uh, of how many people looked at it. It's like there's going to be a percentage of people who saw it that we don't have any uh, statistics for because they're smart enough not to load the images. So if okay. you ever if you've ever wondered why, uh, emails in Google don't have the pictures or in Outlook, you've got the little button to say, do you want to download the images? That's why it asks you whether or not you want to do that, is because just the act of downloading the image could uniquely identify you back to the server who's trying to figure out who's looking at the email.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I guess that answers some of my questions. I guess. I guess it is just a numbers game. And Sadly enough, there are still people who are, <laughs> who do click on mail order bride links and things like that. It's, it's unbelievably sad, but I guess.
0: So, so I mentioned the type, I called it wide net or shotgun, where you just send it out to millions of people and hope somebody, mm-hmm. uh, somebody will, will respond to it. There's a slightly more sophisticated way of doing this. So that if you were to buy a list of everybody who identifies as conservative or traditional Catholic, and you email them all. Uh, a, a, a promotion for buying high quality scapulars and handmade rosaries and things like that, you're not casting a wide net. You're, you're being more specific about it. And that's called um, if you get it really specific, it, it, it gets into spear phishing. So if somebody were to send you an email saying, uh, learn the latest uh, dope about uh, anti Pope Bergoglio that
1: mm-hmm. appeals
0: to you personally and a very small pe- a small group of people and maybe growing but it you can get to the point by, by cross-referencing different marketing uh, materials and saying, okay, Anne Barnhart shows up on this list and she shows up on these two other lists, we can start to build a cross-section using, you know, multidimensional regression analysis to say, this is probably her marketing profile. We can start sending her stuff that, you know, she never requested. It's unsolicited commercial email, which is the alternative name for spam, but it's very narrowly targeted at her. So the more it's uniquely tailored for her the mm-hmm. more likely she is the more the higher conversion rate you're going to have and so that that's that's going to be something where you're going to you're going to spend research money up front it's going to be more expensive than just sending out a billion emails but you have a if it's more finely tailored i mean if somebody sent me something for i don't know probably computer related or audio related or if somebody sent me uh, an email right now saying the, the easy way to make a, a DVD on your hardware with chapter points, I will click through it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I it. I might copy it over to my Linux VM just to be safe. That, they, that, that doesn't get um, uh, uh, corrupt, corrupt anything on my machine first. But I'd be very interested to know what these magic steps are that I don't know yet. So th- that's something that's called uh, spear fishing, where you're, you're getting now, right t- at somebody.
1: Tying it all together, that exactly is the commodity that Facebook was created and the reason, the entire reason Facebook exists is to sell exactly that commodity that you just described. Is, is that a fair statement?
0: Oh yeah. People give away their information. Yeah. So, I mean, between- but I mean, but,
1: but Zuckerberg says here, look, I can provide you with lists of these incredibly targeted, incredibly specific dynamic updating um um consumer profiles of of billions of people on this planet so that you can directly spearfish with with a high with a high success rate that that is zuckerberg's commodity is it not
0: oh absolutely i mean it's the difference between saying i want to market to men between 35 and 50 years old who have degrees in computer information systems or mis versus I want to market to CIOs of companies with a market cap between 50 million and 120 million because they can identify mm-hmm. it that precisely. Mm-hmm. You don't market to all of the east side of Manhattan. You you market to Bob directly down to the yeah. point where the Chinese restaurant on 42nd and, and 23rd, as you're walking by at, at 5 p.m. as you're getting off work, as you're walking within what they call the geofence, right within the, the proximity, if... if um, if the Chinese restaurant uh, bought the bought this service from Facebook, they could push you a notification. Hungry? Take a right. It's happy hour at the Chinese place. Mm-hmm. It gets down to that precision because based on your Chinese or based on your Facebook profile, they might know that you're into Chinese food. I mean, if you're Jewish, maybe there's a there's a connection there. I don't know. Yeah, apparently, there's an Because old jo-
1: you post pictures of everything you eat on Facebook. Dun dun dun. Well, no, I, I, made, a, I
0: made a joke <laughs> there about you know because you're Jewish, you might like Chinese food. I don't know why that stereotype exists. Jews tell us that it's accurate, so that's that's why. Why?
1: It, it, because it's cheap.
0: I have no idea. Chinese why. food
1: is relig- is 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 um reliably cheap.
0: Probably reliably kosher too.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, as long as you don't get the
0: pork. Oh, except for uh-huh. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that, that correlation exists, but the point is that you, you give an Facebook enough information, or maybe you're Muslim and they say, go to the halal shop around the corner, they, Facebook can identify you individually. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, in the case of somebody like me, they can probably, do, they can probably figure out my four alternative profiles, too, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and say, hey, for, for this one interest, audio shops around the corner. For your other interest, the camera shops yeah. that way. <laughs>
1: There ain't no hiding. That's why I advocate getting off all of it. But we, I think we've we've already done that show. In fact, I think we've done it more than once. So, and in
0: well. terms of what companies like Facebook and Google, Google's actually worse than Facebook. They just aren't in the profile right now because they're not quite as creepy about it, and they don't have a semi-human as the face of the company. Um but Google can do probably a hundred times better than what Facebook can do and they have access to dang near everything so it's I I have linked before in the show notes uh, talks by a guy named Steve Rombaum. he's given talks at a, at a conference in New York uh, the title of the talk used to be hope is or hope is dead uh, privacy is dead get over it that was ten years ago. Now it's privacy a post mortem, and I don't, I don't know what the, the current version is. But he just catalogs all the different ways that you are. There's no such thing as privacy anymore, and it's not so much that that uh, this is about government evilness. It's it's corporations who want to sell you stuff. That's really what it boils yeah. down to. And, and, um, may, or they're selling information about you. Maybe it's to marketers. Maybe it's to somebody who wants to, you know, put you in a, in a black hood and send you to a black site. I don't know. It wouldn't make, it wouldn't surprise me that, that, uh, government entities would, would, um, turn to, uh, entities like Facebook and Google to identify and find people because they're really good at it. And the government, they're not nearly as organized as they would have to be to be as evil as everybody says they are.
1: Mm hmm. I'm, and that this actually jogs my memory to a tangent on this because um, someone said this to me or you know passed this along to me that they had seen they had seen somebody say this on Facebook, and the person said it to me just today um, someone uh, I was visiting with someone today in person, and they said, you know there was a there's a person a, a Catholic a somewhat prominent Catholic um, pundit who said recently on their Facebook that things things that you say on Facebook don't count or, or I, I'm I'm paraphrasing I'm sure because I I obviously didn't see this quote with my own eyes but this person passed this along to me said this person went on Facebook and said things that are said on Facebook don't count in terms of I, I guess in in the context of moral culpability et cetera. Et cetera. i mean obviously that is wrong you know y- you are just as morally responsible for everything that you put on facebook or any social media or blog or anything else as you are for things that you say in person face to face with your with your own voice um the other thing that it kind of makes you think about is that i still think that there are a lot of people out there who actually believe that like their private their private facebook message conversations and if they one of the things that i think um that i know facebook allows people to do is set up you know private secret groups you know um that that only the members of the group can access and and participate in, and well, I think the there members are people of the group
0: out- and Facebook and anyone with a government badge who asks for the information and anybody exactly. with a big enough marketing budget who wants to market to you, privacy and Facebook exactly. don't ever belong in the same sentence unless there's a, a negative uh, conjunction between them.
1: Absolutely everything, every syllable, every letter, every pixel, every bit. That you put into any sort of electronic device is being being cached. It's being saved on massive, massive, uh, you know, servers. They they're building. They built a huge one out in in um, Utah somewhere, and I'm sure they're going up all over the planet, just building things to store absolutely every pixel that every person puts into. Any electronic device. The other thing that this makes me think about is these people who go on, you know, Facebook or even if it's in the context of, of private messaging or private messaging on Skype or WhatsApp or just any of these other messaging things. If you're going on that and you're you're you know spilling your guts about your your psychiatric, psychological, emotional problems, blah blah blah. I mean, you're you're just out of your mind. You're out of your mind. You're just handing, let's face it, the enemy. You are handing the enemy the the tools to come after you. And it's it's weird because it ties in, it's it's a parallel course. Um you can talk about the enemy in terms of, you know, our human enemies, these nefarious companies and corporations and so forth who are looking to get information on us to leverage against us. This also applies though in the preternatural realm. Um you, you kinda need to be careful about what what you say, what you do, and I think we've discussed this before a little bit, and it's it's not it's not saying that, you know, you shouldn't ever discuss anything with anybody. Well, naturally that's not true but understand that th- the preternatural enemies the demons they are listening they can't read our thoughts they can't get inside our minds um but they're listening intently and to watching. everything that y- and watching to everything that you say and do so if you you know if you're just constantly one of these people who's running at the mouth about every little psychological problem and struggle and this, that, and the other, and this culture, this narcissistic culture of just incessant navel gazing and incessant running at the mouth about this stuff. You you better realize what you're doing. All of the demons are sitting around listening to this intently taking copious notes and and saying, okay, this is this is how we manipulate them. This is how we tempt them, da, 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 da. looking back at my life now, you know, and especially within the last the last decade or so, I can now clearly look back and point and say, oh, I see exactly what happened. The the enemy heard me at some point say X, Y, Z and then look a few years later, look what cropped up and look what happened. I'm I I'm absolutely certain, you know, and we won't know any of these things until our particular and, and then general judgments, but our particular judgments I, I reckon with turn in terms of you know things that are completely specific to ourselves. But seeing the context of how exactly are the, the demonic enemies were actually active in using this information, our own information that we willingly gave up and handed to them. And then they in turn turned around and leveraged it against us sometimes to to affect for them and and sometimes not. you know that's why it's that um, we have the St Michael Prayer. Even even the Lord's prayer, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Goodness, I mean, what a what a petition that is! But deliver us from evil. That's that's saying a mouthful right there. And you know, if you're praying the Rosary like you should, and you're going to Mass like you should, I mean, a lot of I understand a lot of working people can't do daily Mass, but everybody can do daily Rosary. You should be saying the Lord's prayer many many times per day, every day. And you can always join,
0: you can always take five minutes out to, to say a prayer in the middle of work or something and join your intentions with priests who are saying mass around the world, whether they're the Mm. ones saying the masses for Anne's benefactors or whether they're just father Joe down the street.
1: Yeah. These masses are
0: real. They are a sacrificial offering to, to the triune God on your behalf. Join your intentions with the priest. This is, this is not, this is not pious feelings. This is real. It's real mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. And I want to amplify on something you said earlier about the demons can't have access to our thoughts and our heads, but they're very observant. And make an analogy here. Of course, preternatural beings are intelligent at a level we can't understand. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's knock this down to human level. If you see a two-year-old walk by a, a, a table with cookies and he reaches for the chocolate uh, macadamia nut cookie, he hasn't grabbed it yet. Do you have to know what's going on in his head to actually know what's going on in his head?
1: Right. Yep. Exactly. I mean, it it doesn't take much. A lot of the time, and um, I, I just find it fascinating that the entire you know everybody's up in arms about the whole Facebook and commoditization about basically people's thoughts is is becoming is becoming this thing. And what what you have to realize is that it's been present since literally the Garden of Eden. This is just this is just the demonic model writ large. Um, and the other point I wanted I wanted to make was about, you know, the thought reading thing it it seems like more more and more frequently now you'll you know open up you know your news aggregator of choice and there will be some sort of a headline that's discussing well you know these and such people in China or this and such lab they think that they have this new technology where they're going to be able to read people's thoughts and i think there's there's also a lot of you know this is something that a lot of schizophrenics and and conspiracy theorists, whether or not the conspiracy theorist is actually mentally ill or not, or just a person who's fallen into this bad habit of conspiracy theorizing, but there are, there are it's absolutely a symptom of schizophrenia. The sensation, I guess, schizophrenics oftentimes get the sensation that there is a a a separate exterior presence that is inside their mind that is reading their thoughts. So this whole business of um, people, other people, the government, whatever, reading your thoughts or that, you know, you're, there are these mind control beams that are, you know, going into your brain or even now that there's technology being developed that's going to allow um other people to see into your brain i want to shoot this down um i I, even though i think a lot of people maybe intuitively understand this it's just it's just a really important point to make guys if the demons if the preternatural realm if the demons cannot cannot read your thoughts get inside of of your brain, inside of your mind, That that is a domain that only God can enter into. If the demons can't do it, do you honestly think that there is any technological means at all whatsoever that would allow human beings to do something that even the preternatural realm is completely, for, for them it is completely impossible, they can never do it, they they can they never have been able to do it. They never will be able to do it. Do you honestly think that human beings can can come up with a technology that will allow human beings to see and invade the thoughts of other human beings? It's not possible. So it's not something that I think that you should you know get all anxious about that, oh my gosh, that at some point the you know the government is going to be able to see into my soul no they they never, ever, ever will um well, going, I,
0: I going back to the point of the demons simply observing people and and when I say observing, it's not the same way we do. I mean, if you're in a crowd of people and you see somebody and suddenly your your heart rate skips or your your respiration changes because you're amazed by the appearance of this person, mm-hmm. whether it's innocent or otherwise. That's mm-hmm. something that's something a demon can notice right away.
1: Oh, sure. And yeah.
0: use against you. Well, think about this for a minute. Um, Facebook has patented the technology that if you are in a bar and and uh, based on the sensors in your phone, which include gyroscope, so you can tell which way the phone is facing, whether it's up, down. If it's in your pocket, it's pretty reliable to figure out which pocket it's in. There are ways to figure that out, too. But they've gotten it down to the point where if two people have the Facebook app on their phone and therefore Facebook can act, can control or or get access to all the sensors on the phone, they can know that you how far away you were from the other person, whether you were facing the same person and for how long. Mm-hmm. And so if you happen to be facing somebody for 30 minutes at a bar, chances are you might want to be recommended to be their friend, even if you don't know them. This is... Really easy technology in terms of, uh, as as a mobile developer, I can tell you that's not difficult technology to to figure out. Now kick it up a notch if you're Apple and you got one of these smart devices on that can actually read your heartbeat and some of your EKG readings in real time, and you can like see. Like the watch
1: thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and
0: yeah. There there are stories coming out about how people have been uh, got uh, early indication of a stroke because of this. Well, it can also get early indication of you were exposed to an ad and we saw a physical response. You are predisposed to buy something. You think this is just because it's cool. They want to sell you stuff. And these, these are sensors that can can tap literally right onto you to figure out things about you. And no government agent forced you to put that on. Everything you're talking about where where people are paranoid about, you know, mind invading waves and so they gotta put on a tinfoil hat because the aluminum will give you Alzheimer's. Um, <laughs> it's not the government gonna feed you truth serum or hit your head to some beam to see what's in there you're going to give the information away
1: yeah
0: and the government will contract to Facebook and Google to figure out what in the world it is you're actually thinking
1: yep but I mean I think that there's a lot of people who think that they're you know the government is going to know every single deepest darkest secret of their hearts or every you know passing just passing flashing thought, anything, you know. Um, and that that just isn't the case. But yes, it is completely ironic that people are freaking out about that and yet at the same time, they can't do enough to give uh, information away and um can't can't break the can't break the addiction, just cannot do it. It's um it's and it, it's sad to watch. I mean, as a person who, I've, I've never been, you know, I used Facebook for a very short period of time in a very, very limited way. And it became clear to me pretty quickly that it was just, it was just no damn good. And so I quit that. Then I quit Twitter. Um, when Twitter, I quit Twitter in like 2014, I want to say when they first started, um, was it called shadow banning and just censoring when they started censoring people at the at the very, very beginning. I said, Well, that that's enough of that. And I had like 8600 uh, followers. And I think that probably I mean, obviously, anyone who's on Twitter has fake followers and all that. But I think probably that my my follower list was, a as those things go, we're was probably pretty high quality um, as those things go.
0: You had at least a thousand true fans plus some bots.
1: Right. Um, So, and you know, I just ended that, just cut that off. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that and I'm not going to support that, that paradigm. Um, But I see, you know, you see these people and you just see how much time and I mean, you can tell, you can tell by looking if, you know, someone has a, a publicly visible, you know, Twitter account or whatever. You can see how much time these people, when the first tweet of the day is, how many tweets per hour, roughly, you know, and, and you just you just sit and look at this and you realize these people are spending the entirety of their day. In some way, um, engaged with, hooked to, playing with this social media stuff, and it's just, it's, it's sad. It's incredibly sad. The, the lack of productivity, the time that's being taken away from genuine human relationships. Um, you know, time that parents are not spending with their children, time that spouses are clearly not spending with each other. It's and, you know, and just and the banality of it, the the waste and the banality of it. Um, and, you know, people just can't cut the cord. You, you talk. We have this conversation. We have this episode. It's going to go out there. Thousands of people are going to listen to this. Many, 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 many are going to listen to everything we say and be nodding and saying, yep, that's all true. That's all true how many people are going to cut the cord you know my big my first big crusade was getting people to get rid of cable and satellite which that is that's actually kind of come to fruition that that technology is you know cord cutting is a is a big thing the the cable companies are going out of business right and left now it's been replaced by you know Netflix and and other things that are providing content that's every bit as bad if not worse because they're you know in that completely private domain but anyway you know the cord cutting is 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 largely accomplished and a lot of people have said yeah I cut I cut the cable and I just have like a digital I have a digital TV antenna on my TV just so I can watch the local news and the local weather. Yeah, cool. Great. That's fantastic. I think now the next the next big crusade is obviously getting people to get off of these social media platforms, if, if for no other reason than just, just for the quality of your life, um, to not let your life be consumed in this sucking maw of banality and time-wasting and narcissism and navel-gazing. It's just... Pathetic to watch and it it really also does it brings out the worst in people. I think I think that the platform the the completely impersonal nature of it and like I said, the completely narcissistic nature of it tends to not surprisingly bring out the very worst and tends to, you know, suppress virtue and and cultivate vice and, you know, obviously I'm I'm not claiming to be, you know, perfect in, in, in terms of those sorts of things myself, obviously, but I, I would like to think that I, that I can sit back and look and say, okay, you, you have to realize that everything that you do online or electronically, you're, you're held to exactly the same level of, of conduct that you, that you would be, you know, face to face with a person, um, I, I don't know. Um, so that's, I guess, dis- dismount soapbox. That's my little mini tangential rant on that.
0: Well, and that cuts short my attempt to Google a phrase I was looking for. Talking about, I don't know It's so much that the social networks or social media and all that stuff is inherently of itself bad as it magnifies a bad tendency. And, and the phrase I was mm-hmm. trying to remember is, I don't... I probably am going to get this wrong because I didn't <laughs> Google it fast enough. Something along the lines of sports doesn't build character or reveals it or wealth doesn't build character or reveals it.
1: Uh, and, yeah.
0: and the idea being that if you are, if you're a jerk and you're on social media, it's going to be obvious mm-hmm. real quick.
1: Right? Exactly. Yep. That That's a good point. Yeah. It'll whatever, whatever direction you're leaning or tending to, it will just, it will exacerbate it or, In the fairly rare case, I'm afraid, I mean, I I guess there are probably some people on social media that are, you know, doing some genuinely good things. And obviously, you know, I've given my speech about the Internet that, uh, well, of course, we should use the Internet because we have this incredible ability to, you know, evangelize the entire planet Like instantaneously, you know, it still blows my mind that I can just we uh, talked about this a couple episodes ago that, you know, someone can roll in, set up your your baby television phone that you carry around in your purse with you, put it in a put it in a, a tripod, record a super high definition video, put it on the Internet and the entire planet can see it. And it can be, you know, subtitled and translated into however many languages in real time. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. And the, the the thought that we shouldn't engage that and use that for the good. Well, of course we should. I think that's what our Lord's words make friends of the mammon of iniquity. I think that's what that means is, you know, go, go ahead and utilize these things for the good, but you have to be realistic about, about their nature, the temptations, and you know, always make sure have that degree of, of um, self objectivity to for people and you know receive receive um, correct correction and um, admonition when it comes that if you are doing something that is clearly moving in the wrong direction morally or in terms of in terms of virtue away from virtue and towards vice you have to have the the humility and the self-awareness to to realize that and if it be, if it comes to the point where it's just a it's a constant occasion of sin that and you are in fact sinning because of it you you have to stop it's it's obvious you have to stop if you don't then you have made it an idol you are now in violation of the first commandment. You are putting this thing, this addiction to this social media above God himself. I mean, check your uh, prayer after going to confession. It, I would rather die, O oh Lord, than ever fall into sin again. Keep me from ever sinning again. I mean, are those just words or do you mean it? Do you, do you, you know, think in your mind, yes, I need to do everything I possibly, possibly can to keep from sinning. If social media is causing you to sin, which, let's be honest, looking at it, it's it's clear that it is a massive vector of sin for people. Uh, do you think maybe we should be taking some proactive steps to eliminate it from our lives and, you know, get back to a more genuinely human uh, mode of existence, I, I would argue strenuously, yes, that's exactly what you should do. Get rid of it.
0: Well, and in terms of why even do this podcast or have a website or communicate it on the internet for any purpose, you nailed a really good point there. If we're not doing this to bring souls to God, what's the point? I mean, right. we're not, not doing this for our own, own vanities. I'm, I'm not even using my own real name, so nobody can congratulate me in real life. I don't really care about that. And And to the point of reflecting on what it is you're doing it it, one of the analogies that came to mind is talking about social media some people can use it just fine and they can actually probably even use it for good effect and help convert people they're they're going to be the outliers in that don't don't think you can be like mike in that regard the whole be like mike michael jordan thing yeah um there are also some Artists with words who loved Twitter before they went to 288 characters that the idea that you could craft a very good tweet to 140 characters and those people are a joy to read on, on Twitter and they still stick to the whole 140, 140 characters because to get a, a thought across coherently and cogently, that's an art form. Those yeah. people are rare and they are the exception. For Who's the master?
1: Um, um, Iowa Hawk. What's his name? David Burge or something like that. Do you know who I'm talking about? Iowa Hawk.
0: Sounds familiar.
1: He is he is the undisputed master of the simple one sentence tweet. He's he's hysterical to read. He's you know <laughs> I don't I don't think he I don't find him to be sinful or anything like that. But yeah, that pithiness that ability to be to be extremely pithy that's cool and now i think you're absolutely right it's just turned into this weird i mean people writing entire essays in twitter it's 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 kind of missing the point but i'm sorry go ahead
0: there's there's a going off on a tangent there's there's a slight twitter art form of of the serial tweets where there are a few people who actually do a very good job of being able to string together you know 10 14 20 tweets and it, it, they do it in the same way as kind of like a photo essay or mm, something mm-hmm. in episodic nature. But it's not the same thing as trying to express one idea over five tweets or 25 tweets. These, these are true artists of, of one shot of information, one shot of information. These are, these are many episodes as opposed to I can't get my thought coherently and I'm not going to try to pare it down. If it, My rule of thumb is if it takes more than three tweets, it's a blog post. And you're wasting my time if it goes beyond that, um, yeah, unless yeah. you are a true artist. And I, I'm not. I don't follow any of those. So <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while, I'll see them. Um, I had a larger point that I was getting at, and I'm getting off track here. Uh, oh, I, just the analogy of of social media, it, the the ability to use it for good. The one thought that came to mind is, you know, think about it um, with regard to say alcohol. That's something that's something you know, there. There's a non-trivial amount of people who cannot consume alcohol without it being a serious problem Mm -hmm. but they are the minority what if they were the majority you might think that people at a societal level would say we're going to put very strict safeguards around this stuff just because there's an, there's an
1: actual literal example of this and that is the fact that native americans and a lot of east asians genetically lack something that allows them to process alcohol. And I I had occasion um, to meet a person of uh, Chinese ancestry, um, full-blooded Chinese. And, you know, we went out and everybody ordered a glass of wine with the meal. And this person didn't order wine. And it was just like, Oh, are you sure? And she, she, you know, perfectly happily volunteered. No, I have the I have the the DNA thing where I can't, I literally cannot drink alcohol, which is what a lot almost all Native Americans have, which is why that they're exactly what you're talking about. There's this horrible, horrible problem. And it was really interesting, because she said, No, I want to show you, I will take the tiniest, tiniest sip of this red wine. I will I, it'll I like just get my lips wet and then, you know, lick my lips. It, it'll be a sip that's that small. And she said, I want you to watch me. My face is gonna turn red. And she did it, and it was, it was absolutely stunning. She, I mean, she just wet her lips with a little bit of wine and her, her entire face flushed. And she said, okay, you see that physiological reaction that just happened to me. Can you imagine what I would be like if I sat here and drank this one glass of wine? And she said, I'd be, I'd be passed out under the table. I would be completely passed out. And it was, you know, not having been around um, Indians, meaning American Indians, um, in my life much at all, and seeing that. I mean, a lot of people up in, you know, Nebraska and the Dakotas and Montana, they've they've seen that and been around a lot, but I never really saw it around Kansas City. Um, but you know, you just heard about the fact that these people clearly cannot hold alcohol at all, and. I, when I saw that for the first time and realized what a completely serious hardcore, one hundred percent physiological issue this was, I mean that's exactly right. there should there should be no alcohol. All Indian reservations should be dry. I'm, and and it should be self-imposed by by the Indians themselves, by the Native Americans themselves. If you have this substance that is going to just, completely and totally destroy your population which that is what alcohol does to indians then oh, well of course it stands to reason that there should be there should be a form of prohibition of course there's no reason there is no reason for a person who has that dna thing such that they can't process alcohol to ever 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 have alcohol there's just there's no reason for it because you're instantaneously, you know, just staggering, falling down, or passed out drunk. There's no reason for that. There's no enjoyment of it. There's no, you know, augmenting a meal, nothing. I mean it's it's like I su- I suppose it's like methamphetamine. There's absolutely no reason that a person would ever, ever use methamphetamine because the the point of it is to get completely high stoned, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing good about that, nothing. And the same goes, I suppose, for snorting cocaine or heroin or anything else. There's no good that comes from that. Whereas with alcohol, people who, you know, are normal, who are genetically normal and can process it, oh, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, we've got, we, ha- we have scripture testifying to this, that wine is good and yum-yum and, you know, give a, give a little wine to the, to the man who is sad and it will make him feel better. And it, it absolutely does. And, and it, what was within, the first
0: public miracle of Jesus?
1: Oh, yes. The wedding at Cana. Oh, yes. 150
0: <laughs> gallons of wine?
1: They're out of wine. <laughs> Not that, but giving the best wine ever to a bunch of people who were already mostly lit. That's what. That's what I find amusing. That the people who got to drink the best wine that's ever existed on the on the surface of the planet were 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 already quite ah quite well uh, well imbibed, shall we say? But <laughs> something to look forward to in the beatific vision. Though. I was going to say that's a
0: meditation on American life. we we're, we're so. Drunk on the riches of, of, of our prosperity, but we just don't even notice the divine perfection that is possible.
1: Yeah. Yep. We think, yeah, we just think that that American culture and, and American commodities are the absolute best of the, the best that anything can be, that it's heaven on earth. And boy, nothing could be further from the truth.
0: Well, Trader Joe's is pretty good, but there's some pretty <laughs> bad stuff too. <laughs>
1: That was good. Trader Joe's is pretty good. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. I salute you.
0: (laughs) Before we depart the topic of social media, it reminds me, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a uh, very good sermon on backbiting in social media. And it's, it's something where... You know, if, if you have any question whether or not this is a spiritual problem for you, well, first off, talk to a priest. Don't listen to a couple of podcasters. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah. also listen to this uh, sermon by this priest who is qualified to do what priests do, which is preach and tell you about spiritual stuff. So
1: let's Very see. Good.
0: Um, well, we're we'll at an hour. I was going to say the topic was spam, and somehow we got to um, way off time. <laughs> well, I mean, we got there organically. But uh, I'm still trying to – I'm looking at my notes, and we never even got to um, the second whole thing here about deplatforming. But we have talked about that Uh, a bit. We've
1: talked about that. And, I mean, there's not much to say, you know. The big point that we were going to make and what the genesis – and this is – I mean, this topic is is – as I said, when we were talking before we started recording, is that this is already stale. It's because we haven't done a a show in, you know, several weeks now is that there was the, you know, this controversy about people saying, um, what Patreon and, and I guess there there was there was some character
0: who, there was some person, I don't even remember who it was, got, got uh, kicked off of Patreon for allegedly saying something rude, mean and whatever it was. And uh, Jordan Peterson uh, and somebody else who was on the opposite end—I want to say like an like an Eric Goldstein type thing—they um, they decided that that in protest they would leave Patreon and seek to start their own competitor to Patreon, and it would be for free speech purposes. And mm-hmm. the problem here isn't Patreon or PayPal or any of these nope. other top end uh, payment systems or Stripe or or any of the rest of them.
1: It's these Mastercard. People, it's well, Master, Mastercard. MasterCard's Mastercard is one of them,
0: and the these these top end payment systems like wh- whether it's whether it's PayPal, Patreon, Stripe, or any of these other you know, Amazon payments, whatever. These people are not global payment networks or even national payment backbones. No, they tie yeah. into something like the Mastercard uh, financial network. Mastercard actually clears charges between banks. PayPal mm-hmm. doesn't. They've got to have some kind of third-party arrangement. It's the same thing that we are talking to each other over the internet right now. We cannot directly reach people without first recording this, which is going to require, on my end, Google Fiber, on your end, something else, um, a server in between, and then other people, everyone who downloads, it's going to have their ISPs. Well, what if every single one of those individual bits, which all connect to an internet backbone, Mm, suddenly, you can't do that anymore. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if, if the if you know AT and T broadband says, "Yeah, I'll give you a service," but you know, uh, Verizon Net or whatever, or I don't even know who the, the big backbone providers are anymore. I was I was going to say Savvis, but I don't think they're in the game anymore. But uh, what if the backbone providers say, "No, we're not going to give service to, um, you know, to Southeast Louisiana Internet because y'all have a bunch of people down there who don't like people we appreciate." I don't know what they're they're, the level of deplatforming in some cases isn't so much. Patreon doesn't like people, but MasterCard is telling Patreon, you drop these accounts or we drop you.
1: That's right. That's exactly what it is. And yeah, so this whole notion, well, we're just going to go out and we're going to start our own thing. I mean, I was, I was kind of in this quasi erroneous mindset, um, with regards we were we were doing podcasts early on and one of the topics that you and I super nerd were discussing was you know we need to have people setting up um um web hosting providers in you know Hungary or Poland or somewhere like that so that I think the context of that is when I had the um the denial of service attack and all that stuff. And, you know, just thinking, thinking forward, what are we going to do here? And you, you kept pointing out to me that, well, you know, that's all well and good, but it's, that isn't going, that isn't going to solve the problem, which is exactly the point that's being made here. Starting up an alternative to, to, patreon or whatever that ain't it folks it's mastercard and good luck getting away from mastercard i've been thinking about this and i just i i don't know i don't know how you could in the world today get away from mastercard it is absolutely ubiquitous and it's it's uh and mastercard is
0: only one of the big financial backbones visa's got their clearance network i want to say chase has theirs and again, I want to say there's a dozen or so, but they are very much you know look look at who's on Wall Street and has the money. I mean, there yeah. there are only a few major financial carriers in the same sense that on the internet there's you know, there's Verizon, there's Sprint, there's um, Spectrum. It used to be Time Warner. There's only six or seven major backbone providers, AT and T being a big one. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like cloud services, I mean, there's a big kerfuffle about you know the the Pentagon. Uh, having it having um contracts with google and amazon and the google employees getting all upset and wanting to leave google because google is dealing with the evil pentagon and the war machines like well who else is going to deliver the kind of services that only amazon google and microsoft can deliver
1: mm-hmm.
0: come on it's, it's almost a monopsony here
1: yep there's a five dollar word for you <laughs> there you go yeah monopsony i remember that from i remember that from econ classes um it's i don't I don't know how you get away from it and when you start looking and thinking about you know end times mark of the beast all those kinds of things it's not it's not out of bounds and it's not cuckoo pants to be looking at this and saying if if i if someone were to come after me and mastercard were was to, were to, use the subjunctive, if MasterCard were to disqualify me and Barnhart based off my social security number or, you know, however they would do it. If they were to disqualify me from any financial transactions using, you know, the, the, the MasterCard, the credit card clearing services that we all use every day at ATM machines in, you know, point of sale, online transactions all of that i honestly don't know at this point what what the alternative would i i don't know it, it would you would be finished. You would be absolutely finished because what you would have to do at that point is you would have to get someone else to let you clandestinely use their access to the Mastercard thing, so that you could use ATM machines, so that you could use point of sale. Um,
0: Which then gets back into what we were talking about earlier. Humans are creatures of habit, and if you're connecting with a any kind of global electronic system, whether it's Facebook or uh, or payment systems. It doesn't matter how many fake identities you have. It's only going to take MasterCard or the, the, the other observing networks maybe two or three days to figure out, oh, Monica Boudreaux, that's Anne Barnhart's new name.
1: Right. Cut her off. Yeah. And anybody else yep. supporting her. Yep. And I, I suspect that's where it's going. Um, I I strongly suspect that. So, you know, you're going to have this world and there's going to be people you know, just starving to death in the streets because the social justice warrior crowd has decided that you you need to be you need to be cut off and you need to be eliminated because you refuse to call Bruce Jenner she. You know, and, and that that's where it's going. That's absolutely where it's going. Well,
0: yes, you, know, you could do it either for those reasons or for the faith, which I, I don't know where the line is between. Um, objecting to the validation of mental illness versus, uh, fighting for the kingdom of God. But, um,
1: you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's more connected than you would think. I mean, it's just, it's, it's acknowledging reality. It's acknowledging truth and God is the truth. So at the end of the day, I think they're, they're connected at the root,
0: well, I was going to say, "Blessed are those who, who suffer insults and persecutions for the sake of Christ. For theirs is great, or for the for theirs is the." Or I'm going from memory. For their reward in heaven is great. It's mm-hmm. it's the eighth of the beatitudes, I think. Um, you know, so yeah, this sounds horrible in some senses. That, um, it, it's it's going to be less than pleasant at some point. But <laughs> if you're if you're if you're doing this for the right reasons, if you're doing this for the, the kingdom of God, there is a reward at the end of the, t- at the end of all this.
1: Mm-hmm. Look forward to it. Embrace it.
0: If you're doing it to be a jerk, there may not be a reward. So just keep that in mind.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, I think that kind of, I think that's a good place to wrap her up. We're at, we're at about at our target time, aren't we?
0: <laughs> we, we started by saying, I, this will be a short 20 minute one because we, I, I figured my notes were really good for about that, but You are at an hour and 25, actually. So, yeah, I think we can wrap it up now. All right. The email address for the podcast, where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or... Oh, i talking about distribution. I was going to talk about uh, IPFS. If anybody out there knows what IPFS is, and if you think that sounds familiar and you want to refresh your memory, IPFS.io, in terms of sharing files. If that's completely Greek to you, don't look it up. But if if that actually makes sense to you... uh, the email address for the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. And we can discuss whether or not we can send out the copies of the podcast via that method. Again, if that, if that sounds weird, don't worry about it. Um, masses for ends, benefactors. If you're hearing this podcast, there was a mass offered for you. If this, if you aren't hearing the podcast, then there was still, a that didn't make any sense. Um, every day (laughs) since the last podcast and this one, there was, um, I was trying to be clever. You know what? I'll just stick to my notes. Do you
1: you want me to take this one? Um, I have masses said for my benefactors every day. Benefactors and supporters. It's not just people who actually give me money. I want to make that clear. There's a lot of people out there who are, praying for me (laughs) every day, rosaries being said for me. And so, you know, it's not tied to, it's not tied specifically to money. It's, um, benefactors and supporters. And don't think that I discount the, the non-financial support that I know is out there, but every day, that's one of the, (laughs) it's one of the coolest things in my life is the knowledge that that is happening. So there you go every day and pray for those priests because you know, they're under attack too.
0: And humility is an awesome thing. Um, and I, I thought I was so clever that I could probably ad lib that. And then I goofed it all up and, and uh, stepped in and fixed that for me. So thank you for that <laughs> dose of humility. <laughs> I have a script and then I ignore it. And that's what I get. Uh, the Barnhart podcast is a production of super nerd media. And if you found something of value in this episode or previous episodes, please visit super for more details. And it's been a while since the last podcast. So there's a few names here. Um, Several benefactors, uh, both to the podcast and also to the Sister Servants of Mary's. I, I mentioned on the previous one that, uh, they were instrumental in helping out with uh, Tiny Princess and my family. And so there were, there were, uh, a few very generous donations to the Sister Servants of Mary. Uh, Yay. I want to especially say thank you to, uh, William, Mark, Kimberly, and the Double Secret Engineer. I don't know exactly if that was supposed to go to the Sister Servants of Mary, but in that particular post office run, um, that was the only one where there was a question because it wasn't called out by name. So I put, I put yours in there too. So you're in that one. And also to Richard, Robert, Roberta, I should say, uh, William, Teresa, Charles, Arthur, Kimberly, Camille, Donald, Eileen, JPF, Marianne, Charles, and MM, a new uh, contributor. Uh, thank you very much, and the list will be shorter next time because it won't be a month or <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you very much for everybody who has donated, and uh, especially everyone who has donated, donated to the Sister Servants of Mary. They are well, well, they weren't surprised the first time I dropped off some donations. They were more surprised the second time, and um, it's definitely a, a cause worth supporting. So, thank you very much, and awesome. I'll let you do Matthew seventeen twenty.
1: Matthew 17:20 intention is of course the intention that I do full fast twice a week And obviously daily prayer that anti-Pope Bergoglio be exposed as anti-Pope and the whole thing publicly exposed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that um, Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly acknowledged having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that anti-Pope Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that likewise Pope Benedict the 16th rat singer, repent, die in a state of grace, and achieve the beatific vision. Um, Thank you all for your support and prayers on that end, and not wanting to—really can't say too much, but just, if I can give a word of hope to people out there, things are happening. Um, So please, continue to pray. I'm kind of getting the sense that there's—that, like I said, things are happening, and if anything— If I can make anything public, I, I will, but be assured of the fact that, you know, efforts are ongoing, things are happening behind the scenes and, and, um, just keep praying, please keep praying.
0: That sounds interesting. And I want to learn more at some point. Uh, until next time I am super nerd
1: and I'm Anne. thanks guys. God bless.